Well, thank you, Chris. <clears throat> thank you, Roger, uh, for organizing this. Thank you, John, for that excellent paper. Uh, my general view is that the United States did not originate as a nation state. It became a nation through enormous effort and sacrifice, uh, achieved great th things through the process of nation building, and is now beginning to, to disintegrate as a nation state. Uh, globalism is uh, one factor, uh, but there are others as well. Let me tell you why I believe that. <clears throat> Uh, when the United States was organized in 1776 or founded, or 1787, uh, the concept of nations and nation states was not well known. The dominant form of political organization at that time was the empire, the Holy Roman Empire. The Ottoman Empire was intact. Uh, Britain and France had appended uh, empires to what would eventually become nations. The Western Hemisphere in 1750 was a battleground of empires. The British Empire, the French Empire, and the Spanish Empire all had claims uh, in the Western Hemisphere and in North America. The British had something of an advantage because there were close to two million British subjects living along the Atlantic coast in various colonies. You know, it was a great question. Could the European empires hold this territory if they were not on the ground and present against the American occupants, the British subjects? In the French and Indian War, the British and the Americans kicked out the French uh, from the interior of uh, North America. Uh, and in the Revolution, of course, the United States, the new United States, basically kicked out the British. So uh, the alternative to the empire at that time was the union or the federation. It wasn't the nation state. Uh, in 1707, the British formed a union of uh, England and Scotland. Some of the empires in Europe were organized along federational lines, subunits of a larger uh, political organization. That's somewhat what the American founders looked to. Now, the scholars tell us, let me just give you the definition of empire and of a nation. Uh, empires are, have large territorial size, fluid and unstable boundaries, free flow of populations in and out of the empire, run by monarchs, emperors, czars, so on a compound of diverse groups and territorial units with asymmetric links to the center, a wide array of ethnic, national, and religious groups collected into the empire. So that would define the Ottoman Empire and the Holy Roman Empire. Voltaire famously said that the Holy Roman Empire was not holy, was not Roman, was not an empire. Well, it was not holy or Roman because uh, beginning in the 17th century, the uh, the emperor was no longer consecrated in Rome, but it was still an empire. Here's what the scholars tell us is a definition of the modern nation-state, which takes form in the 19th century. Fixed boundaries and control of borders, overlap of cultural and political boundaries, shared culture, 
shared language, religion, and nationality, run by citizens. A nation state is a sovereign state in which members share a common culture and political jurisdiction. So you can juxtapose the nation state against the empire of that time. Now, the American founders, uh, when they assembled in 1787 and discussed the, you know, the future of this new system, they had to be impressed by one thing, which is that we are now in possession of this gigantic territory running from the Atlantic Ocean out to the Mississippi River because of the settlement with Great Britain. Uh, and it was largely unpopulated. Indians are out there, and they knew that there was a vast territory beyond the Mississippi River. What are we going to do with this? Now, Jefferson called this the, an empire of liberty. He didn't think they all, all these new states that would be formed out of this territory had to belong to the United States. They could be independent states. They just had to be republics. Madison's concept of the extended republic is not a national concept. This political organization is a mixture of competing groups fighting and neutralizing one another. That's not the idea uh, that you get from a nation state of a common culture. Uh, he thought that the system could be operated in equipoise by conflicting groups. He thought it could unite around interests of a, a general concern to the community. And we infer from that what he really meant was attacks from foreign powers, <coughs> that at that point, all those groups would come together and unite against foreign attacks. Um, the great challenge at the Constitutional Convention was the problem of union. Everybody agreed on Republican principles, but how are we going to bring all these 13 states together in a representative system? And out of that, we got all these compromises that we're familiar with. So really from that period, from 1788 to 1860, there are constant threats to break up the Union. We had the Alien and Sedition Acts and the Virginia and Kentucky Resolutions in 1798. In 1812, there was a convention in Hartford where the Northerners wanted to break up the Union because of the Jefferson's embargo and the war with Great Britain. Uh, there are the nullification controversies in the 1830s. There are further controversies over the war with Mexico in the 1840s until the Southerners finally said, if you elect Abraham Lincoln president, we're leaving. And they did. So that was a constant source of tension throughout this whole period. If you look at a map of the United States in 1850, you would never say this is a nation state. You had a bunch of states on the eastern side of the Mississippi. You had California. And you had this vast interior, much of which had just been conquered from Mexico. This looks more like an empire, maybe a popular empire than a nation state. Now, if you juxtapose the French Revolution with the American founding, the, uh, the French leaders say uh, some things that are very much in contrast to what the Americans said. So Madison says that in the United States, that you're not going to have a unity of opinion. The, the very operation of liberty leads to different points of view and different interests. Uh, and that's a basis of his extended republic. Uh, here's a comment by uh, Jean-Paul Rabot de Saint-Étienne, a leader of the French Revolution. We must renew the present generation while forging the generation to come. We must make the French a new people. We require an infallible means of transmitting constantly 
to all French at once the same uniform ideas. This goes through the whole French revolutionary idea. The French are trying to create a nation in the revolution. They succeed to some degree and don't, but they're trying to build a nation. The Americans are trying to do something different. They're trying to build a union of states based upon Republican principles. The first person to articulate the idea of a nation is Abraham Lincoln. He does it even as a young man in 1838. All the rhetoric in this period is about union. James Madison dies in 1836 and says his fondest hope is that the Union of States be preserved. Daniel Webster is the great exemplar of the American Union. Lincoln says in 1838 in a, in a, a youthful speech, he, had, he talks about the, a new nation, the American nation, and he says that it has to be built upon a political religion, the religion being uh, uh, respect and adulation for the founding fathers and the heroes of the revolution. Uh, and he further says that the memories of the revolution are fading because all the people who participated in it have gone. In the early days, everybody participated. It was a communal event, and the thing was held together by these memories. But now that's gone 50, 60 years later, so the thing is starting to disintegrate. And of course, in the Gettysburg Address, he says, that uh, four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought upon this continent a new nation conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. Well, yes and no. In 1776, no one really knew what a nation was. Um, but this was an aspiration. From that period, 1860 to 1950, the United States became a nation state. Uh, those, the three big wars of that period, the Civil War, World War I, World War II, some of the smaller wars in between, were communal events of the kind that Lincoln talked about that created what you would call an American people and an American nation. So by 1950 into the 1960s, there's no question this is a nation state in the sense that the scholars have defined it, a people. Now. There is this idea of two kinds of nations. There is the idea of a civic nation, which is united around principles. And there is the idea of an ethnic nation, which is united around language, custom, and religion. There's a contrast there in the definition. This is not really true, because the idea of a civic nation, the examples of those are France, Britain, and the United States. These are all countries that have shared a kind of a common culture. The United States is always a Protestant country, certainly a Christian country until fairly recently. France had a common culture. Great Britain had a common culture. This is juxtaposed against Germany and some of the Eastern European states that were supposed to be ethnic states. But I think this idea of a civic nation, an ethnic nation, tends to break down. Now, it's said that all you have to be uh, to be an American is to believe in the principle of the Declaration of Independence. That's why they, why they held view. Uh, and it's attributed often to Abraham Lincoln. However, in 1790, in the first Nationality Act, uh, the Congress, uh, which was made up of many members of the Constitutional Convention, uh, passed a Nationality Act in which they said only white people can become citizens of the United States. Now, in, this, in, the, in that Congress were many member of people who signed the Declaration of Independence. That was the law until 1870. 
when it was expanded to uh, descendants of the African race. Uh, in, 17, in 1874, the United States prohibited the immigration of Chinese women into the United States, no. partly as a consequence of the 14th Amendment. In 1882, the United States passed the Chinese Exclusion Act. No Chinese could immigrate to the United States. This is right at the time the Statue of Liberty is being put up. Uh, in 1924, the United States passed an Immigration Act, which established national quotas and limited, uh, limited immigration uh, mostly to uh, people coming from northern European states and Canada. So the, the concept of American nationality that evolves is uh, not entirely consistent with the idea of civic republicanism. All you have to do is believe in the principles of the Declaration of Independence to be an American. How do you have a nation, though? Can, can every, anybody in the world who believes in this idea come to America and become an American? A nation, after all, has to have borders. It has to have a common culture, or it's not a nation any longer. So the United States is, creates itself as a nation in this period, uh, and it tries to perfect itself. I think you could look at the Warren Court uh, as an attempt to complete this nation-building project by bringing the South, the American South, into the nation. The American South at this point is an outlier because of its racial policies. And much of the Warren Court jurisprudence is an attack on the South. Not just school to segregation, but many of the cases are attacks on the South. The, uh, the apportionment cases, for example. Baker versus Carr comes from Tennessee. Reynolds versus Sims is from Georgia. Um, and uh, the other important one comes from Georgia. The uh, right to counsel comes out of Florida. Even New York Times versus Sullivan is a civil rights case uh, from Alabama. So a lot of that jurisprudence is an attack on the South as a kind of an outlier in the American yeah. system. So, uh, you know, my thought is that out of a great deal, uh, out of ordeals and wars and revolutions, the United States has forged itself into a nation state with a kind of a common culture. It's English to some degree. It's Christian and Protestant to a great degree. It's European to a great degree. Uh, and uh, out of this culture, it won a couple of world wars, defeats the Soviet Union, industrializes the country, et cetera, et cetera. We know all the achievements. And it's now begun to break down. Globalism is one factor. Uh, and now, as we look at the situation, uh, the division seems to be between these two parties which have different conceptions of what America can and should be. So if you could say that normal politics consists of fights over taxes and regulation, and you pass it and you come back and you fiddle with it, and that, that's normal politics. That's usually what happens. Regime politics is a fight over something deeper. What kind of country are we going to be? It would appear that we've entered a period of what you call regime politics. Uh, with Trump's nationalism representing the traditional idea of an American nation with strong borders, a common culture. Uh, the liberal progressive uh, conception, John Fonte described it very well, no borders, open to everyone, uh, no common culture, 
uh, a kind of a universal state, even with a welfare state that is uh, 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 supports claims by people who aren't even Americans or citizens. So the question is, two questions. One, can the American nation be preserved under these circumstances? I don't have a good answer to that. I think we're going to find this out as this battle goes on. Secondly, will the, the progressive idea work? And I'm quite certain on that point that it will not. I don't think the progressive idea where there's nothing holding this enterprise together is going to work in a system of checks and balances and divided power. We'll have stalemate. We'll have dysfunctional government. Nothing will happen. Uh, we won't be able to defend our borders. Uh, at some point, we'll have a crisis, and the government won't be able to respond. People will begin to look for other solutions. We'll have secession movements. Uh, we'll have all sorts of things that disrupt uh, the situation. So uh, can this thing be settled? Uh, we don't know. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a battle in progress. But uh, uh, my general conclusion is that we've entered a period where we're going to fight over the nature of the country that we've inherited. Thank you.